A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome back to the Poe Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro, the dead Poe Hitter. I got my good friend here, fantastic fantasy baseball player, Mr. Steve Weimer. Steve, what's going on today? Uh, not much. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, just uh, Pug just got bit by a, by a bee, so I just had to do that, you know, be uh, put some ice on that, and that's that was an event because she's crazy, crazy little Pug. They don't want any help. They get hurt, and they're like, "No, we don't want to help." But it's um, it's been an interesting time. I've been doing a bunch of gladiator drafts and underdog drafts, um, spending some time. I think it's helped me really recalibrate some of the, I guess, uh, market value and and like how how some of these players have been doing and how they project for the rest of the season. Cause I, I aggregated bad X and Raz ball um, and I threw it into the SGP. And it's just interesting to see um, some of the guys that are like, have changed a lot. I kept the old ADP in there too. So it's like, I'm using that, I think as a tool to like be, all right, this is, you might be, this might be too high on a player, you know, or it might be too low, you know, giving how much it's changed and just, uh, like you, but like even just like a Wander Franco, right? Just seeing the difference between uh, an eighty ADP and the fact that he's a, a top twenty ranked player now. You know, obviously it it's real and it's something that you know to you know to believe. But um, it just keeps it in perspective. So I've been I've been having a good little time just looking through players that I haven't really been diving into as much because I think you know we're we're all trying to get the next best free agent. And sometimes we forget to like really see and dive into the, not even just our players, but just the players that we don't have. Right. And I just really, that's when I stumbled upon like, wow, Craig Kimbrell is freaking outstanding. You know, <laughs> just, yeah. I couldn't believe his numbers. I, I remember like briefly looking at it when I was trying to determine whether Soto was going to be the next guy after Alvarado got hurt. And I remember saying, no, well, well, you know, he looks like he's still doing well, Craig Kimbrell, but now it's just, I fully dove in and he's just um, just really impressive. So I've, I've had a good time at least just trying to uh, dive into some players that, uh, you know, that I didn't really know were doing this well. And, I, and a couple of guys caught my eye. So, and it's been like a weird Chris Taylor week for me. I fabbed yeah. him, I think last Sunday, you know, uh, once it, once Vargas got sent down, it was uh, okay. Like try to get him on the cheap. So I got him in some fab leagues, drafted him in gladiators, been drafting him in these underdogs. And I'm like, I should have, I, I, I'm actually, I think I'm going to write down 
like a little article later, like called the week of Chris Taylor and just described my um, infatuation with him for the week. It's just, it's really random. Sometimes the players that we fall like in love with, or just not really the him, that just makes it so great. It's just the opportunity. I think that's going to be there for him and what he can give you speed wide. I didn't think he was stealing that much this year until I really dove into him. So that's what I've been doing. And um, what about you? Have you been, using this time that we've had and that we don't have yeah. to grind. Yeah, mostly just catching up on work, I guess, enjoying the, the freedom of my son being <laughs> in his first summer camp. They're doing, um, I didn't take this, they're doing entrepreneur camp. And I That's think awesome. they're teaching them, teaching them well because they, I did a, I stopped by their lemonade stand yesterday and it said homemade lemonade, but I had seen like the giant container of country time, like in the back. So they had false advertising and it was like totally watered down. So like they're teaching them like, like the, definitely like the profit maximizing angle um, <laughs> on their, their little business. So I'm curious to see what they come up with tomorrow. They, there's like a, a festival in town and they're going to have a stand where they sell all the stuff they've been making all week. So, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I actually have to applaud the watered down part, not, not because of the maximization of money, but just for like at least diluting the sugar content of the country time. You know, you'll probably go from, you know, you'll definitely go from diabetic range from having one cup to like, you know, at least just maybe having, yeah. you know, a little bit of a situation. But so I like that though, because I actually like my country time. If I do have it, if friends have it or if my family has it at their house, I'll, I'll I do the same thing. I water it down, but not to sell her extra cash, but that's interesting. So entrepreneur class, that's, um, that's, that's pretty, it's pretty good. You know what they have available these days for um, kids to get involved with. I, I'm kind of lost without the scheduling, you know, like our, our clock just being Monday lineups and all my pods have been doing. And it's so we have this free time to just kind of, diving to things but sometimes where i've had the chance to maximize what i've been doing i i my body is just um that's why i've just forced myself to go to the beach the last three days it's like because that's also been good that i can just free myself up from that and, and just like go relax but uh, i still end up i don't know on twitter or just in the discord um can't escape the fantasy land you know yeah well i mean it makes sense for you i guess <laughs> you can't totally unplug um, can't can't um i'll unplug in uh october like third fourth i think the season ends and it, it, it'll probably be for like a couple of weeks if we we plan to go on vacation and then you know get get right back into it because i got some big plans for the off season too for the discord and um and the patreon so i'm excited for it too because Got a lot of ideas, a lot of cool ideas. Um, but today we're going to get into some talk about the 80th and 90th percentile for the main event and the overall standings. And because um, it's been obviously there's been a shift in in the statistical landscape. So I figured it'd be cool if we go over some of the changes so far and some of the possible end of season numbers that we might see as for the 80th and 90th percentiles and maybe why those things are you know actually happening. So um what was the first thing that came across your mind when you kind of like thought a look at it um just just confirmation first of all about like the scoring is up you know because i haven't looked at it too regularly but it definitely is up um using 
you know, 80th percentile pace and 90th percentile pace. Um, but then like within, you know, the categories, if you look a little more closely, like the, you know, the steals are up a ton, which is crazy. It's like 148%. Um, like if, and I, so first of all, like, I don't know how, so we're like, uh, what's it called? Extrapolating from now, right? 55.5% right. of the season. So um, I'm not sure exactly how much, how accurate that'll be if that at the end of the pace will continue or in some stats or if it'll go down a little bit. Um, I think some, on some categories, like probably counting stats, the pace may actually go up, I think as like some teams drop out and it gets easier to, to fab people and stuff. So, so maybe it would be even higher at the end of the year, but um, to the extent that what we have now is like indicative of what it's going to be at the end. And yeah, like steals are way up. Um, home runs are up almost like 10%. It looks like, um, and then the ratio is about, I don't know, about 10% also for ERA. One of the things, and I don't know where you want to start, but the, the one thing that, that uh, I noticed pretty quickly was that ERA is up more than whip. And I didn't, I don't know, expect that. Um, because I was, I was focused on like, the shifts and the pitch clock and maybe it would be more walks and more hits and that whip would perhaps be more than ERA. But I don't know if you have ideas on like why that would be. I'm not always good at like wrapping around my head around like the, that real baseball like reason behind that. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I guess the only, like the first thought I had was to um, kind of look at, I guess, year over year, over year um, what, what's been happening um, with like walks, I guess, because I guess my first thought was, you know, how is it affecting, how is the pitch clock affecting pitchers, you know, is it is it is are there more walks you know um and i think um it's the overall it's just the same it's just up 0.3 percent from last year right from 22 no sorry 8.2 percent walk rate to 8.6 percent yep yep that's what i see so that's a five percent increase um like in terms like five percent of last year it's it's that much higher so right Somewhat significant. It's higher than the whip, you know, overall increase. So that's interesting that more of it's coming from walks than from hits. From the, from the um, a bit like the shift ban and stuff like that, right? Yeah. It's just, you'd think it'd be more from the extra base hits and, I mean, just base hits opening up. And yeah, that, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, because the whip, the whip uh, is 1.27 last year to 1.31 and the 1.31 in even the walk percentage is kind of just right back to what 2021 was, you know, um, it's pretty close in 2021 yeah. with 8.7% walk and 1.3 whip. So um, yeah. I'm sure. And like, you know, I, I think there's a lot of it. There's a lot of uh, rookie pitches up and obviously they don't make a lot of the, population of innings but i don't know how much they bringing into like them being accustomed to the fast pace and um and all the players that that's going to be a good dive to see like some of the older pitchers compared to the newer pitchers and how they've uh you know handled the pitch clock but that is interesting when you know one goes up a stack goes up so much than the other one um when i did this when I did the uh, prorated uh, 80th and 90th percentile um, about six weeks ago, mm -hmm. the 80th percentile um, stolen bases was um, 196. 
And yeah. right now it's on pace for 191 ish, yeah. right? So it's pretty close. Um, so and the 90th, yeah, yeah, the 90th percentile was on pace for two. <laughs> 220 and that went down to like 207 so um but it is some the stolen bases is what first gets you right like you said it's 147 yeah. percent difference from last year's <laughs> and it's yeah. wild to see that um how some of my teams now had more stolen bases than my teams had all of last season <laughs> yeah. it's just it's really hard to get you know to, to take a to wrap your head around and wrap your head around that it's, that's that's one of those statements that i don't really get i guess i guess that's that is what it is right because you can't wrap your head around anything so um but um anyway but yeah so the, the stolen bases is definitely what caught my eye um and also i think like i guess maybe i thought that strikeouts would be going up because i thought the pitchers would have some sort of an advantage um you know, by, by using the pitch clock, cause it's like, they're the ones who can kind of control it. Right. Yeah. Um, like on a real baseball sense, but, um, not really up too much. Right. Uh, one, just, you know, 1% higher. And that's yeah. probably about what it's been. I've got on my sheet, like going back to 2018 and there's a little dip from 2020 to 21, but who cares about 2020 and it's overall, you know, just been going up. Um, for the most part, you know, little hiccups along the way, but the overall strikeout trend is up. Yeah, who cares about 2020? 2020 wants you to take that back, right? They they don't like that statement. Um, but yeah, they, I don't know what what other big reasons would make that whip so much different than the ERA. Um, I was trying to think about that. Like you said, on a just a real baseball sense, like what could be causing that big difference. But um it's uh it's definitely interesting to see the main event landscape, especially like in the um and like how how it's correlated to some of the stuff that we're looking at now. But um what other numbers did you like kind of jumped out to you in terms of uh like I guess the plate appearance stuff or anything like that or um, percentages? Yeah, so a, a couple of things. So you had mentioned like 2021, I think on walk rate, and I don't know if this is helpful or not, but I've been struggling all year about like what to do with SGP, and it doesn't matter too much. Um, like I think you guys said on launch angle, like in, within season, but if you're doing like second half gladiators and stuff like that. Um, but this season to me is like most rep similar to 2021. I think like that's what I'm using as SGP is starting from that as a base and then home runs are not quite as high so that you have to make a few adjustments, but that's like what the overall offensive environment is the closest to, I think. So mm -hmm. my, my thought is, and I haven't really, like I, I'm not doing any drafts right now. So I didn't like think this all the way through. I think you do be better served just using, if you didn't want to go and look in detail and calculate new SGP, just using like 2021 is probably better than 2022. Um, so that's, that's, mm -hmm one thing to, to see i was looking at like where it's similar and what it's most similar to um yeah so home runs aren't as up as much as runs right um so i guess that's some indication that the shift stuff is working if i'm looking at this right um no sorry home run rate i got it uh, in a few different ways sorry so home run per nine is up one up is up eight percent um 
What's up, folks? It's Robbie D. I just wanted to let you know you still had about a half a day to get into the MLB 7th inning stretch on underdogfantasy.com. And if you just want to get in at the second half, best ball tournament called the 7th inning stretch, you can head on over to underdog.com, put in the promo code PULLHITTER, and they double your initial deposit up to 100 bucks. Um, it pays 150 k in total prizes, 30 k to the overall leader. It's only 7 bucks to enter. So if you go up to underdog with promo code PULLHITTER, you get the debt. Initial deposit doubled, and you could draft the seventh inning stretch. They still got some drafts lasting all the way to the end of the night. It might not be 100% filled, so there's a good opportunity there to make some money. Um, while not having a whole contest filled, it's pretty simple. It's best ball format, so it's a cumulative score of three pitches, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the season. You draft 20 players total. There's no in-season management at all. You just draft your team and go, and so go check it out and see if you like it. Just a reminder to also head over to the Pull Hitter Patreon if you want to come check that out. Got a lot of nice stuff going over there. You get access to a Discord with any membership, and it's really been such a huge value for everyone who's joined it, and especially for me. I've learned a lot from so many people. We're just talking about fantasy baseball all day long. We have several threads to talk about. And it's really so much fun. You get a free trial right now for a week into the $5 entry tier. You get my lineup pod. You get my daily pod where I'm recapping the box scores. You get into two launch angles that we do behind the paywall every other week that you can't get publicly. And it's a lot of fun. And I think um, it provides a lot of value. So come check that out. And I'll be waiting for you. And we're going to really grind our butts off to finish the year strong and make sure everyone has the best chance of winning this fantasy baseball season. I don't know. What is the best way to think about it? Like I've got it by game and I've got it by plate appearance. And that's like, I've been going back and forth because they're slightly different on, on some of those. Um, I'm so used to looking at plate appearance, you know, for, you know, for fantasy stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it actually comes out a little bit different. If you look at it by plate appearance, I'll stick with that. Then home runs are up, what, 7% um, and runs per plate appearance, 5.6%. So I, I was backwards on that. So it is accounting for more than its fair share of the, the increase in, in scoring, right? So maybe mm-hmm. that's a sign like that the ball is the bigger factor, that the shift isn't doing as much in terms of uh, increasing scoring, right? Because home runs are up, right? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I know some people had a theory on that, like home runs going down because like players would be like, oh, there's a hole now that that's available, you know, like to me. And I, but I think it's, I think a lot of that, I think, was limited to, um, like the pulled ground ball still being, I mean, a, a second baseman can still field, you know, very, very well, <laughs> you know, as a major league. I think um, just those, uh, the short right center fielders was probably, I think my eyes, like the biggest, okay, that's not there anymore, but that's not, it's not really an easy spot, you know? Um, and I think a lot of those too that were going there were just like, a ground ball that happened to sneak through the already three players they had there. And he was like, Oh, you know, I got this one. Don't worry about it, guys. I'll back you guys up. Um, yeah. It's like, there's some line drives. Like I think that fall into that pocket, but that's, that's like a really different shot off the bat. So, um, so that's interesting. So home run per plate appearance or per game, I guess. Yeah. I guess what, what is, what is the best way to look at that? I mean, I guess you want to see how effective guys are doing on a per plate appearance basis, right? Yeah, I guess the only, I mean, one difference would be if there's more pitch hitting and more platoons and stuff like that, then maybe 
Right, and that's so kind the of appearances might be a little bit misleading, but um, probably like for fantasy purposes, I don't know if any of that matters too much. That the difference is is big enough to make uh, a practical uh, impact on your fantasy game. But I just found it interesting that it, it does. There is a bit of a disconnect that home run per game is up more than, and not like a tiny bit, um, a couple percent more than home runs per plate appearance. Um, I guess that makes sense with all the like mid game Rocco Baldelli is influencing it all by himself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every time Gallo comes in in the third yeah. inning and hits, yeah. hit the home run he's screwing everything up and it feels um, like like in Julianne too I mean it, like it, he either gets a home run and then he's pinch hit for or like he comes in and that's when he gets his home run at least all of his homers are on my bench because I can't understand when to use him I don't understand that either because to me, I get the whole platoon thing and I get the whole lefty righty. Th- I, I, I understand how that worked, but I just don't understand too how, how to go against someone who may be locked in that day. Like maybe the home run came because he was locked in and not fucking facing an opposite handedness. Right. Like, um, I don't know. I, I have so many, cause I know so many teams use technology to determine like, you know, how this guy's heart rate is this day. And like, <laughs> should he get a day off? Like those things are real. Like all those things are being measured daily for these players. And there's so much that goes behind that, that we don't know that determines who's like, maybe it's not just a lefty righty thing on certain days or, or a reason why a relief pitcher comes in. Is There's so many other variables that we don't know about, but like to me, when someone hits a home run, <laughs> like two plate appearances, and like I remember the one game I watched Julian, he was locked in, he was he just had the best of this pitcher, and 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 but he just looked like he was in a good spot, like up at the plate, and just to switch that out so early just drives me nuts sometimes. Like, and 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 like that's not being fully biased towards my team like oh this is hurting my fantasy this is hurting my 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 draft champion has 76 points you know it's like mm-hmm. no it's just looking at it at a broad view this and sometimes the the level of player that they get replaced with is just like what are we doing here yeah <laughs> like what are we doing i don't know i, I get yeah it. i'm foreign on it too because like some of the moves just like you said just look weird or stupid if you want to say that but then you know on the other hand they have data that and they're presumably taking into account some stuff that we're not aware of so like giving them the benefit of the doubt but there's a limit of like how far i can i can do that and really think you know yep. that, that there's a sound reason for this like even like yeah the twins are the worst example but there's got to be some quantitative value to not using up your bench in the second inning right like so they should have numbers on the chances of someone getting injured in that game. And I guess they've factored that in where, you know, where you're going to have to use someone out of position or something like that. Um, like the odds that you have two injuries after the, after the third inning, when you've already depleted your bench or something like that. Um, right. Yeah. I guess that's also too goes to the, like the um, team stressing like multi eligibility. Well, multi eligibility yeah. for fantasy. I, I, I use the wrong word. Just being able to play multiple spots, you know, it just makes you more valuable. I think it'll get you, it'll keep you in the game longer. But I think it it it's being more valuable to teams as well to be able to go out and play several different spots and and not and um make your team more flexible. You know, um, pretty soon maybe in thirty years everyone's gonna be a switch hitter and everyone's gonna play every position. 
and it's just going to be like the same player. Um, <laughs> even though it's some interesting stuff, I was just diving into some stuff like earlier today. I didn't go fully into it. Like Tom Tango was just putting out about, you know, why maybe switch hitters perform differently because they have different, you know, they have all the bat paths and the bat speed. And it's like, Oh, it's going to be out there. Put it out there, man. But then I'm like, it's going to like alter my, you know, I wouldn't know how to add it into, you know, obviously yeah. like how did that go into SGP and, and evaluating players, but I don't want it now like mid season <laughs> because I don't want to spend countless hours looking at that and be like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. And then just, I don't know. I don't need an extra yeah. layer of, 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 of data right now. And in my life, uh, yeah. and I just think like less is more. <laughs> let someone else figure it out. Yeah. I think on that kind of thing, it definitely makes sense to let some, to let people get at least a full year of data and, and really crunch it. Um, and maybe even more than that kind of is one of the lessons of the stuff plus, uh, drama right the stuff plus drama (laughs) that should be the the, uh title it should definitely be a title of um the fantasy baseball documentary called the the stuff plus drama uh yeah yeah it it is a lot to get into um but all right yeah Uh, or maybe jeff and tanner could just put it into the process and just figure it all out for everybody um Mm -hmm. or or rob silver you know he could put it in his other book the other process (laughs) That he's, yeah. that he's writing um but i i did saw how you make a note here like saying that maybe we're kind of capturing the increased offense um a little better because uh it seems to be like we're 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 going with the changes in baseball right yeah so um the scoring on it this is where i did a per plate appearance basis looks like, but so home runs, runs, RBI steals per plate appearance are all up um, in major league baseball, but not as much as the main event. Right. So it seems like, um, and again, this is me trying to think about like real baseball, but the main event players are capturing the increased scoring environment, you know, doing a good job right. of that. And part of that might just be that it's concentrated that the, the increase in runs and homers and steals isn't like spread evenly throughout the player pool. That's the best players and the ones that are on fantasy teams that are, that are getting a little bit more than their share of that. Um, so I thought like that was interesting on the, on the, on the hitting side, but then on the pitching side, we're also as, as main event managers absorbing more than like our fair share of the increased scoring. So like ERA in baseball, major league baseball is up 8.3%. But in the main event, the 80th percentile is up 9.9, and the 90th percentile is up 11.9 as compared to last year. Um, so there's probably a few different reasons for that. The same thing kind of holds for whip. That fantasy's uh, whip is up a greater proportion than baseball you know, MLB whip is up. Mm. And I think it's just that we use starting pitchers. That starting pitchers, and this has been noted before, but they're bearing the brunt of the the changes in the offensive environment more than relievers. Um, so starting pitching ERA is up 40, uh, uh, up 9.1% and relievers are up 6.2, right? And mm-hmm. there's kind of, it's a little closer. Starting pitcher whip is up 3.9% and relief pitcher whip is up 3.1. Um, but a lot of those relief innings are just not getting captured in fantasy, right? Right. Um, so that's why the overall, at least that's one reason, an obvious reason why the overall like fantasy ratios are, are higher. Um, and in terms of actually like something that might be 
actionable. Like maybe that means it's, you've got a little bit more reason this year than previous years, I'd say, to use those relievers to try to protect your ratios, right? Because this is this trend of relievers doing a better job of adjusting to the scoring environment or just teams doing a better job picking the relievers, whatever the reason is that relievers are, are doing are more closely hewing to last year's ratios. Like they're not going right. up that much. Um, so there, there could be things that are, that can be taken advantage of with that. And I wonder if that has to do too with them just not having to, um, you know, absorb the, like the length of, of, of working that hard. Right. And, yeah. and ex- exerting that much, pressure because i th- i think you know i've said it before but i think a lot of like the pitch clock stuff it comes in not only just up at the mound but in between the innings you know the in in between innings are so much shorter now that you know you just have to get out and get back out there and do your work uh, quicker but the reliever um you know can just come out and they can also kind of like see how some batters are you know i've I've gotten a kick out of watching some some batters come up and immediately call their timeout. Yeah, you know, like right, right, right when they step up it, they step in the box mm-hmm. and they ask for time, and it's like, wow, like that just feels like. And I've heard a couple of the guys say like they just, you know, they just want that time to go up there and and like recalibrate themselves at the plate. But I'm like, you just recalibrate yourself in the like on deck circle. <laughs> you need to do it now at the plate. <laughs> but it is interesting, and some guys do it like, oh hey. Polanco did it a lot. Like he just comes up there and calls a timeout. I'm like, well, that's it's really fascinating. But um, so um, so then so so let's let's get into some of those um, I guess because we're gonna get into some of the players that are in the top overall teams uh, most often in some of the 80th and 90th percentile stuff at, at the top in the overall standings. But since you hit on the ratio protecting relievers, maybe we can go through that first and um talk about um not only some of the players that available, but some of the data that you found, because you did write an excellent piece for the baseball forecaster of baseball HQ. Um, and I just thought it's, uh, it's great if anyone hasn't read it to go check it out. And it's just really good filters to, um, I think sometimes, you know, if we're just looking at the wrong things, um, we can kind of just like lose, uh, like, I think everyone just automatically might look to who's getting more holds or who's getting that, you know, high leverage stuff. But like, there's, 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 um, there's profitable players. I think when you put the right filters on them. Yeah. So, um, I don't remember the exact details of that. I've looked at like the last three full seasons, maybe, um, for the, for the HQ article, and just looking at like which first half statistics predicted good uh, ratio contributions for relievers in the second half. And like, I, I don't know, I just, I'm not, there's probably more efficient ways to do it. I just like try to hold a bunch of filters, like you said, and, and look at it and there's, you can get slightly better than, but basically like a K minus walk percentage over 20 is gets you 95% of the, the, the valuable players. Um, and you can tweak beyond that, but it, the benefit isn't all that big. But basically if a pitcher has a strikeout minus walk percentage in the first half, uh, over 20% and a reliever who throw at least 20 innings, then um, there's about you know, 70% chance in the second half that they'll have a positive contribution to ratios. Um, and it's usually not going to be a, a big one. Um, only a third of them, and there's about 120 pitchers that, that met that filter over the last few years. Only a third of them like really give you a whole bunch to ERA and whip. 
uh, over a point. But if you're talking about protecting your ratios, like not destroying them, um, which right. is often what we want to do with relievers, yeah. there's about a 70% chance, and you can get a little bit up higher up to 75% by factoring in ball percentage and streaming strike percentage and look for, for people that meet, meet those filters also, but like a, a 70 to 75% chance that they at least won't hurt your ratios. Um, and then, uh, like I said, that was done based on, like, I'm not sure which years, but maybe three years previously. Um, and the difference, the advantage would seem to be even higher this year because again, like relief pitcher ratios aren't up as much as starting pitcher ratios um, are. So, it's, you know, you know, there's a lot of factors if you're deciding whether to do this and you know, where you are in the standings, can you afford to lose a strikeout, what are your options for a given week and starters and so forth. But overall, I think there's just a little bit more weight on the, I'm going to use this reliever instead of this starter this week um, than there has been in previous years. So that's interesting because I'm kind of thinking that more teams might go down this route at the end of the year, you know, like build up their innings and, and kind of you know, hammer, you know, the ratios a little later in the year when they have a comfortable lead in strikeouts. Because right now, like you said, if you do it now, you may not be sure. Maybe your league standings dictate that. Maybe it says, I can do it right here, right? You know, but some leagues, you may just be like, no, nah, I can't. I have to distance myself first or at least try to and then go that route. And then also, too, I wonder how that affects the rest of the league when there's like starters now available, you know, for the other teams to grab and how that shapes the uh, standings. But so the simple thing is just K percentage over 20. And then you added like said ball percentage and swing and strike percentage. To yeah, that. So like the very best filter gets a smaller sample, but the best filter where you still get a large enough sample that there's probably some significance to it is a ball percentage under 34 and a swinging strike over 13. Like if you just do that, that, that's more predictive uh, in this in in the way that I spelled out predictive, I guess, in that article than just the the strikeout minus walk percentage, which right. is always interesting. If you go with the sub indicators, you know, it makes sense because um, the denominator is different there, and that you get uh, a higher hit rate, I guess, and also um, a higher average contribution to the ratios. So. Um, if, mm -hmm. if I'm doing it, and I wasn't before, but I, I am now, I made myself a list um, to, of people to just have on my radar for uh, those weeks when, you know, you just need to fill a, a hole in the pitching staff. Um, then I'm going to use that that ball and swinging strike combination. Nice. And and that, that'll that override, like, any, um, like, prior week usage too like if uh like if a guy like you know I, I know a lot of people like to oh this guy hasn't thrown saturday and sunday so they'll target those players more is that kind of like overrides the usage i, mean, yeah, so you, I want to factor that in too um yeah. but i don't know i feel like that's kind of scared me off there's been a few times where i had these kinds of relievers in mind and then on sunday they pitch so i so i pass them over and get somebody else but probably if you're planning on holding for at least a couple of weeks, you might be better served just getting the most skilled, like, yeah, and just dealing with it. The fact that they're going to pitch, you know, two innings this week instead of three. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I've, I think I fell into that trap too with the Sunday pitch thing. Um, it just seems like a lot of the, the, the main go to relievers that are, that are pitching medium to high leverage are, are being used several times a week, regardless. Um, and so for anyone listening, a 34% ball percentage is um, using Jeff Zimmerman's conversion chart that he had on Fangraphs. It's uh, like a 2.3 walks per nine or a 6.3 walk percentage. And that's at 34 and everything, 
know, under that is 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 obviously going to be better. So, um, so you you have a list of guys right now that um might be out there, um, in main events or any other leagues. Yeah, and- I didn't. I'm just going from memory. I didn't actually check ownership. I assume all these guys would be pretty well available. So, I mean, we've been talking about Gregory Santos anyway, trying to figure out what's going to happen there, both in the short term, if Graveman's going to kind of be usurped, and then the longer term, if Hendricks, I don't know, there was talk initially of him, you know, possibly being traded. I don't know if he'll have time to, to show health and do that, but Santos is on the list. So is Keenan Middleton, um, Tanner Scott, Matt Strom, um, Robert Stevenson, who I remember drafting a whole bunch in years previous, uh, TCs, um, and then a couple of like maybe more bulk guys, uh, Trevor Richards and, and Nick Pavetta. Um, if you can, if you think they're going to keep getting those, you know, three inning outings, whatever it is, then obviously the, the impact on ratios is potentially larger, but they all meet that filter as well. And then there's like some closures that do too, that just don't really matter for practical purposes because you're starting them anyway. Um, and also Eli Morgan, but I don't trust Eli Morgan. He was my <laughs> he was my ratio protecting believer last year in a couple of DCs and just I just had the worst luck on when I used him. Um, like I think he gave me like an eight ERA or something. And, and so like you so you'll um and you're back after in the back half of your DCs like you're when you're getting some is it more for like speculating on them possibly getting saves too or you're targeting the guys strictly for this reason? Yeah, so I, if the skills are comparable, then like I put the top of the list. Yeah. talk about you know but also for probably the top of the list if i were going to add them i'd put like santos and scott and, and i need to check in again but the people that in based on my recent memory you know maybe have a little bit more of a chance um of picking up those saves so like santos is for obvious reasons you know puck was faltering but i think he's got the last couple again so um i've been pretty checked out of the last week so <laughs> yeah i don't actually remember it seems so <laughs> long ago too right yeah. like sunday feels like so long ago yeah oh man yeah so gregory santos is 13 percent owned in the main event i picked him up in one main event in one of my auction leagues this this sunday um kenyan middleton is two percent owned um, same team there. And I think like the thinking was too, that like Middleton was getting in some, some spot to, to in, improve his trade value too. Um, Cause he's a free agent. And obviously, you know, even Liam Hendricks had the chance to be moved. I think that's what makes Santos so attractive as well. You know, on top of Kendall Graveman also not pitching well, and he could be on the move as well. Like if they were smart, they would just get rid of anyone who has value on that team. Um, Trevor Richards has been, He's 21% owned in the mains. He's been really good. He's been getting some spot starts. I wish he was the, the second guy in line with those. Like if he was uh if he was bulking three, four innings after an opener, I think he'd be way more owned. His skills have been through the roof. He's got like an 80% swing and strike rate. His uh his changeup is just lethal. Um Tanner Scott's a little more owned, he's 47% owned. He's been pretty lights out too and i think get that, that probably shot up a little bit when puck was a little risky last week on a couple of outings and nikki p he's up to 91 percent owned um oh, wow. i think yeah yeah that's my chance on him then you missed your chance that's it um i mean <laughs> it's so funny enough, enough dcs i was just gonna say our ownership of nick pavetta is already high enough like adding him in fab leagues is just you know it's just like okay i don't need to do it if, if he's available there and it's a clear upgrade to the team, but um, and 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 they have said they liked him in this role and they're going to keep him there. So, 
um that's uh so that's cool yeah i i'm i think there's a couple of teams that i'm gonna shift to this uh strategy at some point um only you know i can we'll get to it we'll talk about one of my main event teams but i'm gonna need saves and at least at this point i can try to capture some saves with some of these guys and also you know um do 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 good things in the ratio department as well um yeah, so I, one uh, oh, yeah. I'm gonna ask you a question. Like maybe you can handle yeah. this better than I do. Okay. So the, the the problem I face with those kind of pitchers, and I do think they have value, but it's you know it tends to be like in a larger picture, like right. So season long, we probably have good ratios, and if you look at a, a group of them together, then on the aggregate, they're gonna have good ratios. But in any given week, they can really they can hurt you. Um, mm. You know, it's less likely kind of by just the numbers that we've seen, but. I have trouble holding them, you know? So it seems like if you're going to do it, like, do you need to commit? Like, okay, this pitcher, I think it's going to get, you know, three saves, random uh, ancillary saves by the end of the season with good ratios. Um, and on one hand, she's like, okay, so I have good reason just to hold him, keep him in my lineup and not think about it for a bit. And I'll probably get those. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it gets to be Sunday and you might have someone who projects like pretty well, a free agent pitcher who projects pretty well for that week. And then you, do you, do you cut bait on the guy? Does like does it take some for me? It like takes a, a level of commitment that I usually don't have. Like I end up just looking at whatever looks best this week rather than taking a longer view of it and be like, I'm just going to hold this guy for two months. Yeah, I think there's a lot to go into that. I I think you I think you're touching on a subject that probably could be definitely spoken about a little more in length. Um, I had this thing with um, Yano Cano. Um, early in the season, you know, he was he was really lights out, um, and I kept him in my lineup for a month, I think. And he he picked me up, I think, a couple of uh, I may have gotten like three saves from him, but then there was a point where I looked back and I was like, hmm, I'm like, there's better relievers out on the wire, you know, like you said, like um, he hit a little bit of a lull with like his his he started to get hit a lot more. Um, and again, right now his overall numbers look great, but there was, there was a stretch where he started to get a hit a lot more. He started to look a little more, um, you know, human, um, per se, uh, and that I look back and I said, well, you know, he, he might not be the best kind of guy that could pick up ancillary saves and, and get good ratios with, you know, right now. So then it's just like, all right, so you got to start over. Uh, you know, just drop that guy. I guess that's the thing. You got to be constantly assessing it. Because, all right, so like in June, in June, he had a 11% K rate and 11% walk rate. Um, but the month outside of that, he was lights out. But I think that was probably the last uh, time I had him in the lineup, like the first two weeks of June. Where I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like this is good. And then, you know, obviously you don't know if this is just a, a blip in the radar and that's going to correct itself. If it's just some normal variance, you know, that that's happening there. But I guess maybe, I guess, I don't know. I find myself constantly looking at the like last two weeks of leverage for each team, yeah. not like overall, just to try to see if anything has changed, right? Because maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's more like, um, uh, uh, like, um, like a middle relief stream instead of just keeping, yeah. keeping one guy, right? Um, but I don't know. Because, yeah. I know made up for like a third of my saves in that league <laughs> with the three he got me. So um I don't know, it's just uh it's pretty interesting. 
I mean, but that's a good question. I think um, that might be a good dive to do in the offseason. Um, oh, man, I keep getting texts from everyone. Oh, are you drafting tonight? You're drafting tonight? Mm-hmm. I'm just, uh, no one knows I'm in the draft because like, I'm, I'm drafting. It's not an alias, but, uh, you know, Jim Jim Harari is uh, is is a co co is a partner of mine, mm-hmm. and so it's under his name. So people feel funny when I I I, I texted Zach Waxman a couple of nights ago in the middle of draft. Oh, nice, nice um, nice wraparound, and he was like, "Huh?" <laughs> and he's like, "Where are you?" You know, <laughs> and I think he didn't answer me for like forty minutes because he was probably trying to figure out how the fuck I figured it out, but. Uh, I thought that was funny, but um, anyway, um, all right. So, uh, do you want to get into first the players that are common in the top twenty, uh, top ten or twenty overall teams, or and then we'll get into some of the numbers behind that, like some of the teams that are in the top ten. I thought like each category. I thought it was interesting. Some of the, you know, like how how much how much of the percentage of one category team to have in the top 10 like some of them are really low or you know some categories are really consistent with like you know each good team is doing well in these categories do you, you want to do the players first either way yeah all right let's do the players first because yeah. I, I this is an interesting topic because i i remember when tanner and and jeff brought it up when we did the podcast our epic uh four-hour podcast yeah. in the preseason um that it's um you know he was talking about aaron judge like oh Everyone must have had Aaron Judge, and when he did the numbers, like it was actually pretty low. The amount of teams that did have Aaron Judge on their team, so you would think the same thing about Acuna this year, but mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be the story, at least uh, off the top. Yeah, yeah. So the team in the top twenty in the main event three had Acuna, which is, I mean, more than you would expect, just like randomly, right? Um, but not mm-hmm. as many as you might expect, given like I think he's like far and away the number one player, right? Um, 20 yeah. and 40, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's on the rest of player rate or $60 so far. No tiny second at 49, so. Um, wow. But yeah, but then I guess maybe that's a good juxtaposition because Otani is the first-round player that's on the most top 20 teams um, with six. So I don't know. If it, I, I just put this together. I just think it's interesting, but I don't know if there is – an element of that, like with Judge last year, it was like, okay, what kind of player was drafting Judge? Yeah. Right? Why didn't they do better? So, like, what kind of player is drafting Otani? You know, um, obviously his stats are a big part of why they're up there. But if we think it's more than if it's just stats, we'd expect Acuna to be number one. Um, and you know, this could just be random, and surely is to some extent. But I wonder if there's if there is going to be like some kind of lesson there, like you know, they're not worried about clocking their utility or they have confidence in their ability to like take advantage of the, the additional decision you have with him every week um, or the flexibility, like they, the right. teams, you know, uh, with more multi-position guys because they had Otani and maybe that's part of why they're doing better. Like, so, I mean, I don't know the full answer, but I think it's an interesting question about like why, why he's the one that's up there, like so much higher than any other first round player, no other first round player. I don't think I have the full list here, but um, was on five for sure, and I don't even think there's any that were on four. Um, that is that is interesting, and and I love that when Tanner asked that question that I remember that night. Like that still sticks to my head. Like 
And I think that's why Tanner is like really so insightful on things because he thinks of things like that. Like who was the drafter that was drafting Judge and maybe why did their team didn't do as well? Like did they draft too much power, right? Or did they just power like, oh, I like power type of team or um, a team that just will draft more of the, uh, I guess, the 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 kind of like injured players that get, you know, like fall down the drafts a little bit and they're just drafting those players. But the Otani one really caught my eye when I saw this list. I said, wow, because, yeah, because, you know, I guess if you're thinking about my end of, you know, one of drafting Otani in a sec, you know, I've drafted him third overall. And it's kind of what made me be a little bit aggressive on picking Jake DeGrom in the second round, you know, was because like, okay, if, 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 if my world falls apart on the pitching end, I have this pitcher and, you know, obviously I don't want to spend the whole year, you know, pick, pitching him obviously you don't want to but it gave me that that was my like my biggest drive into that second pick and, and it wasn't because you know and it wasn't picking Otani first like it's like okay like now that I have him and I I have this multi-eligible player um how am I gonna fill up my team after that but it did give me and and again obviously you know we don't know the case for every single team that's gotten him but um, and I'm not in the top 10 or 20 um, with that team. I think I'm 35th with, but uh, it made me less inclined to be forced myself to take X player here. You know, like I constantly, every round I needed a pitcher. Uh, I kept telling myself, like, I prefer a pitcher here. I prefer a pitcher mm-hmm. here. And then, um, I got like Dansby Swanson at his max and I got Glaber Torres at his max. <laughs> Just like it, it let me kind of be less stressed out about having to find the pitcher. Um, and I don't know if that's what, you know, led to that team being better or not, but it's, um, it's definitely an interesting case. It was, Otani's just been fantastic and it's, it, it's interesting to see him because a lot of these other plays that we'll get to, you kind of like, it's kind of, you know, real simple, like, not simple, but like is there's a reason why maybe you know they because they were drafted late or they were just picked up in fab. But Otani being this high, you know, as being a first rounder is um is interesting. And Gausman, I guess that's you know, Gausman being on seven teams in the top twenty is uh I mean that's just um, you know, like probably that SP five or six that's just spearheaded so many rotations right on the players the teams that like drafted two or three bats first and then galsman with their sp1 right like, yeah probably be like a lot of the reason why but uh nathan evaldi you also have here being on six teams in the top 20 that's just you know a 280p pick just really carrying your your team so far right given given such a burst from like your sp4 or five on the season yeah, I think so. I think in general, I mean, you know, I think you're a strong believer too in the importance and the value of good ratios. So I would say like, if you can get ace ratios from someone late in the draft, I can't imagine a more valuable pick, right? I mean, mm-hmm. ratios are the hardest thing to find, right? So if you can get it, you know, even if it's like third round with Gossman, but better yet, whatever, if Audi was going at the end, like what, eighth or ninth round or something, um, I don't even know. Uh, then, yeah, that's a huge uh, bonus. That's, um, yeah. And probably, the, you you know, 
Maybe you influenced a lot of people in your FTN draft guide article with uh, that was that was the best that was the best article of the of the season for sure. I, I was just I remember reading that and like kind of knowing that in your head, like you know how how much the ratios dip off, uh, but that kind of really stressed the importance of it to me. But um, whip is just like so overlooked, right? It's just so everyone's yeah. just kind of not really focused on it. It's like oh, I need to. Make sure my whip is good. Um, yeah. But then you got a uh, Braxton Garrett here on your list. That's a that's a, um, that's a no brainer. Like probably if he wasn't drafted, he was definitely fabbed or at least you know drafted and and, and dropped after the one disaster start, right? And um, yeah. and and picked up again because he's been he's been really good. Yeah, I wonder if and I don't know if there's too many like themes or lessons from this and. It'd be better to take a bigger look at the end of the season. But I was thinking of like, is one of them like what these teams are doing, picking up the players that there was good reason to value, but then were dropped, like Garrett and like Morrell is on there. And not, I, I didn't take the time to go through, I don't even know how I'd go through and find out if these were drafted, if they fabbed them. Um, but like, is that, you know, part of the success here? Um, like, there's two of the 20 that have woo. And so, that's another like regret of mine, but you know, just taking advantage of those those opportunities in fab when someone, uh, you know, has a bad game and is dropped or makes a uh, or someone else makes a bad drop and then like picking that up is another way to really get the most out of your your resources so you don't have to you know pay the three hundred for, uh, you know, the year you can get woo or you don't have to pay whatever it costs to get morale the first time you can you know get him if he's dropped because he was dropped right on having morale but he was like up and then. And he was back down, right? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was definitely dropped a little bit after that period of uh, of when he got dropped, um, you know, sent back down. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because I'm looking at um, Garrett. He had that bad start on May third. And if we go to my fab sheet for May, oh May, <laughs> May seventh. Um, how many people dropped him? He was only dropping three leagues after that start. So, and he was picked up immediately that next week by those three by by three teams for as high as sixty two dollars. So, that didn't deter them. I guess that's kind of what what you're saying, right? Um, maybe it's just capitalizing on bad drops, right? Yeah. Who else we got up here? Mitch Keller. That's another guy like a a really late pitcher that's um, been really good for multiple teams. Um, Josh Naylor, um, yeah, kind of anyone who waited for first base and got Naylor or a corner guy that's been really good. I think the guy that really piques my interest is JD Davis mm-hmm. being on five teams, you know, that's um, five teams in the top 20. That's that's pretty interesting because he's he's so he's he's one of the guys that, um, when I was diving into some data here during draft you know for the gladiator draft I, I was really kind of like actually it started with the last week the last fab before um this this sunday um in my oc team that i share with ryan venancio he he was available and he became available in our league and he's not he was 99 owned and he's available in our league and he's like oh we gotta get jd davis i'm like why oh, was jd davis doing he's pretty great profile so far nothing like you know, ten homers doesn't really scream out like, "Oh, this guy's great." But every everything under the hood looks 
pretty solid for JD Davis. And uh, I guess I really didn't really didn't take a a, a big peek in the, into that until I guess he had to have been playing well right? because he's he hasn't been getting platoons for the Giants, and that's pretty good in its own right. Um, but I thought he was an interesting yeah. guy. He was off my radar. I think probably just the, the Giants thing. Um, yeah, lowered the playing time projections. We didn't really, you know, stand yep. out. Um, I'm looking at my legs, and Mike Mager got him in two of them. So part of why he's beating me in two of those in those two legs. <laughs> Mike Mager, yeah. Shout out to Mike. Seven good guy. Year. Yeah, yeah. Does he not have good years? I mean, does <laughs> he not have bad years? Who knows? Um, who else? Oh, let's talk about the rookie pitchers. You okay. made a note of some of the rookie pitchers, and I thought that was interesting because this may kind of be a little like, oh, maybe some teams are doing the right thing by spending up for them. Yeah, so I was going to say one other thing on the, the – another okay. player that I thought was interesting was just starting Marte on 5 out of 20 because he's pretty far down the ranks, you know, like 150 or something on the player radar I just looked. Um, and I thought that might just be another one. Again, it could just be random, but if I'm trying to read in, like what is that telling us? Maybe it's like they people that – went for like, we're okay getting their speed later. Right. And did more of the, um, and this could be, again, re- me reading in narrative, but just getting like the best players at the, at the top and not worried if it was, you know, someone who's giving you power. Um, and, and maybe that's paying off for them. At least that's, you know, a lesson that I feel like I've already decided I'm going to learn like a second year in a row. I think we're having trouble with power um, that maybe need to emphasize at the top or at the very least don't like write off people in the first couple of rounds that don't provide steals in the way that like the common wisdom is. Um, so I just thought maybe Marte is part of that, that, that narrative on the rookie pitcher. So it's three of the no, top. Hold on, hold on. I think you're right because I'm struggling again. With <laughs> We're going to have to have a deep, uh, a deep power out in the off season. Cause like you said, I think you're just going to really have to stress it up at the top more than, you know, ever like in, in my, in my 750 OC league that I drafted in Vegas, you know, uh, with Jay-Z, Jeff Dimmerman, you know, you know, he he got Judge and Alonzo up at the top. And I remember, like, you know, I, I passed up, I think, Alonzo for um for JTR, you know, because I just really love my catchers and the 12-teamers. And I think at that point, too, we were discussing how much value he might have playing first base, you know, too, because Hoskins got hurt. And, yeah. uh, so anyway, I just remember thinking, like, man, that's, 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 that's a good power, you know, start. And even – through Judge's injury, he's still sitting up there pretty with home runs. <laughs> um, and it got me thinking, like, yeah, I think that's going to have to be – it's going to be interesting off-season draft, you know, because of the – it may not be, uh, oh, I need this 2020 guy up at the top. As much stress as, it, as in, like, like previous years, right, because you want one or the other because the stolen bases are abound in, in multiple spots. I, mean, I think you're right with Marte. It's kind of like, you know – I could get this, uh, you know, my first or second outfielder at pick 90 and, or pick 100, you know, and, and still grab. He's got 23 steals. He's not, he doesn't have that output of power that we've normally seen from him. But um, a 10 home run, 46 steal season is is still pretty valuable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting when like, the dust settles and we get a sense of what actually happened with steals. Um, will play a big role in those in those conversations. Like how were they distributed? Like they're up, you know, fifty percent or whatever in, in fantasy, whatever we said earlier. Um, but like, what does that mean for our draft strategy? Yep. yep. It's never too early to start thinking about draft strategy. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, rookie pitchers on the uh, on the top twenty teams. Yeah, so uh, three Yuri, three Gavin, three Sheehan, um, two each of Wu, Bryce Miller, and is it Bryce Elder too? What's his name? Yep. Elder. Okay. Bryce. That's how you want that. <laughs> Exposure I have to him. So <laughs> you know the guy with the, the guy that doesn't have a Babbitt. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and then one each of Abbott and and Bobby Miller. So I don't know. Like it's not. Maybe just interesting that it's not like they're dominating like all the attention and money that's been paid uh, to these to these rookie pitchers. Um, it doesn't seem like a must uh, to have had them, and maybe that money would be better spent on, on other things. Again, too early to say for sure, and that was just a reaction that I had. I don't know. Did you have like what did you think about seeing those numbers? I think that you know, for one thing, so like for Yuri, I think he probably impacted those. Five, you know those those three teams um, to you know help them into that top twenty um, territory. For a guy like Gavin Williams, who's only made four starts, or you know even even Sheehan, it's like that has me thinking. Like some of these top teams, like like reinforced their teams, right? Or yeah. or maybe just had a lot of uh, I didn't look at this, but a lot of like good hitting where they say, like, okay, I have this money and a hammer I need to spend up for these two pitches, but for Yuri's case, I just definitely think it shows you how much, how good he's been, you know, um, in his yeah. 11 starts this year. And for, and for the other guys, I think too, it's just, it's interesting. It's like maybe reinforcing already like a solid staff just to make sure you have some good depth. Uh, could be a team with, you know, a lot of money. Yeah. I guess sure. maybe another way to interpret that. And this is like something I was thinking just, going through the numbers overall is like one of the great things about fantasy baseball is like, you don't need to have the best player or one of the right. five best players. There's so many different ways to get there. Cause like you could tell completely contrary stories about against assuming it's not just random, but why are your teams doing well? Because those, those players were willing to pay up to get someone who's really good. Like you didn't get your cheap. I don't know what it was, but like the, there weren't many, like cheap wins there. Um, but then like why, again, Gavin Williams, he's, like you said, hasn't really had an impact. Neither, I don't think it's Sheehan's done very much. So like, what's the, the story there? Well, those those players, they save their fat money, right? That's how they got, that's how you got Gavin and Sheehan. It's like, at least what I did, is like I kept making bids of what I thought the players were worth and it wasn't enough when people were going for 300, right? Um, but then, uh, you know, have the hammer, um, need to spend some of the money because there's no reason to have so much more than everyone else. And then I did get Gavin on the team, right? And I think it's him, the same kind of thought process, like where you're taking those those shots in the, the range that Phil always talked about of like whatever, 50 to 100 or something like that, instead of like the 300. Um, so it's like the exact opposite explanation. Like, so if you, if you spend up to get the highly skilled rookie, then yeah, you can do great, but you can also do great um, by keeping the bids tempered and taking what, what comes to you a little bit later. Makes sense, and I know that's been your your strategy. Um, it's like Steve, how do you keep winning the Weimer, you know, the Steve Weimer Award of the lowest bid? And you're like, just don't bid high. I'm like, okay, that's simple fucking enough, Rob. You, yeah. <laughs> you should be able to follow that one. And you know what, though, I I mean, honestly, I think, um, and I don't know if it's just because I've been so much more in tune with like doing like pods, like multiple pods every day, and I've just been more in in tune with playing time and everything more than normal. And also, too, I've I've also spent, in some cases, you know, up for the Bryce Millers, so had some less money, but I felt more comfortable in, in, in doing that. And it's 
there's something so rewarding about getting the one or two dollar player that just gives you exactly what you needed um it's almost you know and now i'm kind of like addicted to that like i don't like <laughs> I, you know like i was like i, I don't want to put this guy for you know for, for 11 because you know i i i don't know i'll i'll continuously say this i'd rather overspend on a guy i'm going to spend 200 dollars for right like if obviously a guy i really want but i think if you're doing the overspend on your 11 to 13 dollar players where if you're winning and that's what i did last year and that's a totally a lot of 13 to ones 11 to ones or you know 11 to nothing no runner-up bids and it's like those are the players that i had to get better this year with saying nope they're not the 11 player in fab they're one or two you know yeah. and just have a long you know string of guys who are similar like that and it, it it's helped me out but um just don't bid a lot that's the simple simple advice <laughs> if you want to lower that uh price and so you had a, a bunch of strider here too um on on three teams but oh you know we i i just thought of something too i think that would be a good dive in the offseason well like you, you know you're talking about like the the distribution of talent oh there's the thunder yep coming through yeah um how might be like auction teams are built that you know up at the top is it more uh team because you do have the ability to to go get a cunha and strider on each team that they should have done on every team this year uh in an auction can, in hindsight i'm like why didn't i just spend 50 dollars uh forty dollars a piece on those guys and then just worry about my team afterwards uh, but that would be a good topic just kind of like dive into that um uh all right so how about um teams in the top 20 and uh the category percentile um, from last year to this year. Yeah, so I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe we can figure out if, they mean, if this means anything. Um, uh, I'm not sure. This is the first time I've ever looked at it. So we also interesting to compare next year. So looked at how the overall uh, standings at midseason compared to end of the season. Um, I would think that on a lot of these, categories the best teams are going to separate themselves so like a team yeah. that's that's in the 82nd percentile now and runs maybe you know on average would be at like 85th or something like that at the end again i'm not sure just making up numbers um but i thought it was interesting that uh in in keeping with that kind of theory that the average team in the top 20 in the main event right now has a, a lower percentile in most of the categories than the average team in the top 20 at the end of the season last year, right? So what does it take to get into the top 20 and overall in the main, right? So last year, like the, the teams in the top 20 in the mains had, uh, were average 91st percentile in runs, right? If you just take yeah. the top 20 teams average up. But right now the teams in the top 20 are only 82nd percentile in runs, right? So most of them are lower about the same, but the difference is home runs. And that's another one that I don't really know what to make of. So last year, the top 20 teams uh, averaged 83rd percentile in homers, but right now it's 88th. So, like, so in most things, it's lower. But on home runs, the teams in the top 20 are actually doing better on homers than last year. Um, and again, I don't know what that means exactly. Um, the other one, the only other category where it's a higher percentage right now at the All-Star break in 2023 than it was at the end of 2022, again, just talking about the top 20 teams in the main is strikeouts. And again, I have no idea why, but last year, teams in the top 20 averaged 81st percentile on strikeouts. And right now, teams in the top 20 are averaging 87th percentile. So mm -hmm. I'll throw it to you just to tell me if there's any reason for that, if it tells us anything. Um yeah, does it tell us anything? That's the thing, right? It's, it's, it's just like it's just I don't know, just random stuff. Or I, I mean, going back on the stressing home runs part, 
uh, on my part that I didn't do enough. Maybe a lot of people felt that need to, uh, you know, really build up their home runs, um, you know, early in draft. And that's kind of resulting in, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, I mean, could that obviously lends to more runs and, and rubies too up at the top, but those are kind of, like you said, like runs is down 10%. So it's like, yeah. it's just an interesting, interesting thing. I, I really, I, I was trying to think about a way, like, you know, why, why, why would that be so different? And again, probably at the end of the year, it might be closer. It might be even further apart, but um, I didn't have the wherewithal or, or the, uh, the the scraping skills to really yeah. figure that out but like, i mean i could just think like strategy wise like maybe the teams at the top that like you know went for more of that home or or maybe it's the teams that are capturing more um like you said more of that per per plate appearance um because uh, like there's a lot of teams in the top that are are, are not really um super high in in, in uh like plate appearances uh, at bats, but are, are mm. still really high. Like uh, bad Bob Catarumpus here, um, who's sixth overall. He, um, like 50th percentile for at bats, but um, 96th percentile for home runs. You know, and that just could be some random, you know, stuff. But there's a, a couple other teams in the top two, like Greg Martin had a team like that as well. Um, where it's such a, he's getting such good per plate appearance, you know, uh, stats for home runs. Um, saves, saves. I'm not surprised. Saves. That's it's just like that's gone down. I just think that there's there's teams who, you know, we'll get to save when we do the the actual categories. But there's there's teams in this. It's not very well represented in the top in the top ten, the top fifty. It's, yeah. it's kind of had me thinking that maybe teams you know, traded off some offense for waiting for saves. And that's going to be interesting to see how that develops at the end of the season, because it's clear, it's going to be clear that there's going to be, I mean, I, I just have it color coded on my sheet for the, the overall standings, And it's just, just clear, like what teams are going to be making a run at what, <laughs> you know, for the overalls. Um, and it's mostly going to come down to saves. Um, you know, that's the biggest mover and stolen bases is, yeah. is the second. Do you think that your team that's in the sixth percentile in saves could make a move? Um, if you got a couple, it's like when those when closures actually appear, assuming they do, like it's going to be a feeding frenzy, right? I mean, like I have a couple of teams where I've say, I've held on to some fab because I know that that's what can move me up, um, but you know I'm not the only one. So maybe they can't yeah. be frenzy, but like really small, hungry sharks because like no one has fab budget left. But you know to the extent. People would be doing calculations about like I need a closer. How much can I afford, you know, to spend on this? How many more are there going to be? Um, it's just it's weird that there haven't been any, right? Um, it's so weird. It's just really not. I mean, and I just like got tired of throwing a couple of bucks here and there on 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 players, you know, like that. Are just yeah. So just to give some some uh, background context, I have um, a team that's thirty second overall and i have the lowest category point percentage of any one single stat of anyone in the in in the top 58 you have to get to team 59 who's Paulsma and batting average the, i know i know right something something bad that john Paulsma has on, the, on his team it's shocking um but so 
I have 5.85% uh, save points <laughs> in the overall, and it's just nuts. I'm shocked that I'm even anywhere near the top 100. I just, to me, I, I, I don't feel like that's logically, you know, possible. Um, I have Helsley. That was a Helsley team. Um, and my deep specs didn't work. Another thing that I'm going to have to really dive into too, my deep, like my late spec this year, and maybe that's just everyone. Maybe it's not just me, but it, they were just, I'm looking back. I'm like, why the hell would I pick this guy? And it, maybe that's just better served for just picking high upside players rather than safe specs, you know? Um, I don't know, maybe some a rookie or just guys that they can blossom like offensively. Um, but yeah, I have Helsley on that team. I have Justin Lawrence, who was like a pickup a month ago, and he's gotten me some saves. Um, I just picked up Trevor May. He was staring me in the face as in my league for two weeks. He didn't no one picked him up. He's 96% owned in the mains. And for two weeks, I'm looking at him like, and I'm looking at my save total, and I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at guy can't throw a strike. He's nerve-wracking to watch. Everyone, you know, Jewett's like, and we kind of like stay away from him. And I'm just like, but I need saves, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I reluctantly finally spent four bucks on him and he got me a couple saves. So, I mean, I'm relying on Helsley coming back. I feel good on that team. Like I have, I have some guys, I have good pitching, like my, and, and my pitching is what's carrying that team. And I do have Otani being flexible. Um, and I do have, a lot of multi-eligible players to help with the, you know, with the Otani thing. I have Kim, I have Chris Taylor. Um, so I'm set up like that. I can focus on saves, but who knows, who knows where, they, where they're going to come from number one. And also in my actual league, you know, like I'm, I'm way behind, um, yes. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 14th with 13 saves, but there's a cluster in the middle of teams that are still in the top, you know, five in my league that are going to be looking for saves too. So, and that's why I think it's important. You know, I hear people was like, Oh, you worry about the categories like later on in the year when it's clear, you know, that, that you're, that you're going to be deficient or you are mm -hmm. efficient, but I'm like, but everyone then has that same thing, right? Everyone has those same strategies. And then you're competing with all these people. <laughs> it's like, you know, why, you know, don't, don't focus on home runs now. Like, but to me, it's like later on in the season, those last five, six weeks, when clearly everyone's looking at the standings in your league and clearly everyone sees that who's going to need home runs. Then you're competing with all those players for the same guys on fab. Like, why not just start that process as early as you can? If, yeah. if you can identify it, you know, it's like one of those things, one of those things I hear people say, and I'm like, I don't believe in that. I don't, I totally yeah. disagree with the wait until later and then address it because then everyone else is addressing it too. You know? Yeah. I agree with that. Um, it's, can be a matter of degree. Like if you wait too long, then it can be too late. Right. Right. Um, so like what I do, I just, I have certain category ratings I used before the year and I check in every few weeks or whatever, see where my teams are at. And I kind of adjust it a little bit like to, to counteract where I'm getting deficient and, and things like that. Like if I'm, if we're 33% in the, into the season, then I'll put 33% on like, what would, what should I wait categories right now for this team? And then like 67% on whatever I had for preseason and just kind of like swing it gradually uh, throughout. So it is focused more on, on my teams. And that's like more precise than anyone needs to do, but it's weird. Like don't not 
look at categories until August, right? Um, yeah. And then trying to like, hey, what do we got? All right, turns, yeah. out, I need, turns out I need 80 saves. Um, so, and then like, a, and that makes sense, like, you know, just like, you know, in the common sense kind of way, but also I was gonna say with your saves, like when you get too far behind, like you need to get into that middle area where a, a, a one save, a given save will be worth more to you once you're in the, the thick part of the bell curve than right now. Um, with your team, unfortunately, uh, you've got a ways to go just to just to get up there. So I was looking at it like five. If you gain five saves on on the field, that's fifty points in the overall for you right now, which is not that much. Like it'll help. That gets you like top fifteen or so. But really, where you're gonna make a move is when you get you know into the you've gained five and now you're in you're getting to the thicker part of the bell curve and now each individual save will be worth more points um, than it is for you right now. So. Yeah, like you don't want to ignore categories and then get kind of not beyond the point in overturn. You can usually make up some ground, especially in an overall, but uh, you're you're making it a lot harder for yourself, and you're gonna make up less ground less quickly if you've if you've fallen way behind. I think that's so key what you just said there too, because I think a lot, I've heard a lot of people mention how, you know how much a save is gonna get them, and it's different everywhere in the standings, mm-hmm. and. I think that the players that I've heard say that they haven't mentioned it, you know, like further, like you said, and I, I don't know if they're aware of that, but absolutely. I, I totally noticed that. I'm like, Oh wow. Like I gain all these points here at the bottom. But then, like you said, once you get toward that cl- closer to the, um, the, would you say the, 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 what of the bell curve? Like, like the, I don't know. The meaty part of the bell curve. Yes. The meaty <laughs> Where you strike the bell? <laughs> I guess. Uh, uh, no, I don't know why you have a, a, a like a bell made out of flesh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's what we're going with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know, but like, uh, so while we're on saves, I'll just, I'll just throw out there. So like, there's four teams in the top ten that are under fifty that have under fifty four percent of this of of save points, um, and there's nine teams. Um, below 30% in the top 50. And that's by far like the most of any categories. And that's just like littered with teams in the top, you know, 25 that have 15%, 28%, 24%. And to me, you know, like you said, like the, how much they'll be able to go up and myself is kind of limited, you know? So it's like, which makes me sad too, because I think that's why I said like seeing my team 32nd overall, I just, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm not, I have no shot. I feel like I have no shot the overall, like, you know, and it's just like, oh, I just, let me just try to land where there's some money available because I just feel like there's no way I'm going to make up enough points to get to the top. But that's like, that's by far the biggest category that has, um, you know, that, that much like stone base is the other one. Um, they have well, like, historically, those are the two categories that are least strongly correlated with overall points. And that makes sense they're kind of on their own like someone the others are the other categories are much to a much greater extent intercorrelated with themselves i guess you know the saves are just the person who's giving you saves doesn't give you anything else uh you know to to a greater extent than with any other category so yeah it makes sense it's not surprising that would be the one where you get a lot of variation you don't need to be in in the top you know in the top 20 percentile in saves to to be in the top 20 percentile in the overall um i think you could still make up ground but i don't no, exactly. But if you get a couple co- closer, one thing about it, like the saves are probably more than anything else, right? Zero sum. 
So if you're getting closers, it probably means other teams are losing closers, right? Um, so it could have, some of the people you're trying to catch are going to be standing still if you've if they've lost some catchers. Oh, sorry, right. some closers. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's a that's a good point. I didn't I didn't think of it that way. See, it's good talking things out uh, with smart people. Um, but yeah, I just thought you know, um, it's like this year, like. Um, in the overall, like uh, Brandon King, who's second overall meatball, meatball mafia member, um, has seven categories, 90th percentile, with three being 100 percent. He's super low stone base right now, it's uh, standing at like 50, uh, 41 percentile. I just noticed, like last year, you and Bob, Big Buck Bob, in the top two, also had seven category, um, in the 90th percentile. Ben Tid, who was in sixth, um, and got Jen that who came in fourth has six and five respectively so he's like that that seven number like that seven having seven categories in that range definitely um crucial but it's just um i always wondered too like how much your other like how much at the top there's like does every stolen base brandon or, or steve My- steve meyer who won dc last year um, no relation to Steve Weimer, Meyer, even though some kind of thing is like it's the same guy. And Mager too, he's up there too, fourth overall with fifty-one percent um, stolen base points. Like, I wonder how much impacts their teams, right, when they're trying to like do they like do you do you focus so much on stolen bases where you might lose you know ground in other spots, or are you just like okay with that being there and just like. You know, like I don't know what, the, like I'm, I'm trying to think of their strategy in their head. Like, um, you know, did you have a category like that last year that you were trying to maybe yeah. move up the most? So when it, you know, when it came down the stretch, I did. I guess it'd be like SGP just for my the overall for my teams that were competing. So like, how much is a win worth? How much is a strikeout worth? And so forth. Um, and for me, like what it showed was just a win was just so much that like I just had to go for it, right? And it was right. kind of nice. It was kind of free, you know, because like the the ratio damage that a pitcher would have to do to to outweigh if I gave him like a point two chance at a win or something like that was just like you, it was massive. So you can really expect that to happen. Um, so I, and I imagine wins are probably pretty commonly packed up like that. Um, but at least uh, last year for my teams, that's that's how it was. Where each one was like a single win was like forty to eighty points in the overall. I think even you know at the very end of the year, so. I in I kind of uh, I kind of remember that now thinking about all the um all the conversations you were having to yourself um but telling me and Steve, me and Phil about you know while you were running down trying to get that one spot and I just remember thinking like man it's like the level of stuff that you went to was was pretty impressive like obviously because you know you you have the wherewithal and the capabilities to do it like you know and, and it's just like the amount of thought that goes into it because it, it's so big. It's such a big prize to try to get to. And um, I still can't believe you won the fucking league, man. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of yeah. random. I wasn't really thinking about that at that point. Yeah. That's another thing. It's like, if you're in that position where you have a chance of the overall, like the prize money dwarfs the league so much. Like I didn't even look at the league. I didn't, like, yeah. we gave it like 5% of the attention or something like that. Um, so that was a, a pleasant surprise on the last week, a small, bit of vengeance against Bob, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So this has been a great discussion. Um, kind of got my brain a little more into the overall hunt, just going through all this stuff. And um, like I said, just trying to look at the categories and seeing how everyone's doing in them. And But really, I think the only other thing I'll say is to like K's win the RA and whip over like really, really well represented at the top. Like K's the lowest team in the top 10 is 73 percentile and like no team um, – below 60% until like 26th overall team. So um, just like a lot of, uh, I think, strong pitching up for the guys at the top of the leaderboards. It's been like the, I think the biggest constant, you know, that I can see with home runs as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, Do you have anything else you want to say before we get out of here? I don't think so. Cool. Fantastic. Um, do you want anyone to find you on Twitter or no? I'd rather they not. Okay. Don't find Steve on Twitter, but if he does happen to say something very smart, I'll retweet it anyway. So you could just follow me and you'll and you'll see that. But uh Steve, thanks for the chat and uh hope you don't have your power knocked out today. Right? <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> <see. Thanks a laughs> All right. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast. Once again, if you want to come check out the pull hitter podcast patreon head over to patreon.com and search pull hitter and um, have three tiers available you can actually sign up for a week right now and you get access to that first five dollar tier where you'll get um uh probably anywhere between five and eight pods per week i do a daily podcast where i recap some of the under talked about um you know box score stars, um, guys that we can really make actionable moves on in fab. Then I do two lineup pods per week that kind of um, just dives into the platoon matchups ahead while we're setting our lineup um, for the weeks. And you get the two launch angle pods that we do um, every other week behind the paywall as well. And if you want to bump it up to the top tier, you get my $15 tier. You get my fab article, the fab notes. You get the podcast I do with Matt Modica where we literally run through every single team's pitching depth and organizational depth and talk about the schedule ahead and what they've been doing recently and the fab stuff too. Uh, I put a lot of work into that and um, my found some valuable stuff in there as well. So once again, thanks for tuning in everyone and we'll catch you on the next one.